We are at a crossroads. And the choice that humanity makes right now will determine whether we go on and prosper and flourish and rebuild our civilization into something simpler and saner where joy is present everywhere and brotherhood and peace and no poverty and no war or whether we continue on the same path and ultimately destroy ourselves. And Maitreya is eager to come before the people and to clearly enunciate that choice and inspire people to know that they don't have to be afraid of change. They don't have to be afraid of the future. And that is a foretaste of this episode of the Planetary Makeover Show. In response to the heartfelt voices of an awakening humanity, we have evidence that divine help is at hand to work with us to create a hopeful future. Welcome everyone, I'm your host David Minot, and tonight we have sort of a follow-up to the interview with Patricia Pichon, the journalist in London who years ago started her own Search for Maitreya, which also included her book, Searching for Maitreya. Now we are talking to an American journalist who's been working on this story for years with, uh, in conjunction with others to get the word out about the world teacher's emergence. And he's going to talk to us about how and why the world's news media is not doing likewise, despite this story being dropped in their lap. Of course, years ago, we do have CNN covering Maitreya's first major public appearance in Nairobi, Kenya, back in 1988. In both these interviews, Patricia and William, we have the interviewer Silito Pasquale, and the show is Share on the Air Radio, which we all worked on. Silito is still working on this story, but this time it's on What in the World is Happening, which you can see broadcast on Share International Canada on Facebook and at their own website. And William is going to describe to us in detail why the news media to this day, despite having this incredible story, is resistant to it. And as you know, this story has been predicted for millennia by all of the world's major religions. And we, of course, have posited that it is one figure for all of those predictions and includes the religious and non-religious alike. So let's listen to Silito and William describe to us the disconnect between us and the media and this incredible story. This podcast has been inspired by the information published in Share International Magazine for the past 30 years. Uh, information that says that humanity is poised to undertake a great transformation inspired by the emergence into the modern world of Maitreya, the world teacher, and the masters of wisdom. And each one of our episodes takes a look at this story from various perspectives. My name is Cielito Pasquale. I am podcasting from Seattle, Washington. My co-host on Alternate Sundays is Diana Gold-Holland. Really happy to have you join us today. Uh, we will examine a particular perspective on the emergence, emergence of Maitreya, um, the uh, intriguing, long-standing relationship between Maitreya's emergence and the world media. We will find out what the world media knows about the emergence about my, uh, about Maitreya, emergence of Maitreya, but isn't telling us. And returning to our show to speak on this topic is William Allen, a writer based in the Bay Area, trained in journalism, and for many years... Alan worked with a team uh, to interest local and national journalists in what many call the biggest story of all time. So in this hour, 
You're really lucky to be listening in now. Alan will describe uh, Maitreya's meeting with the BBC, the critical role the world media have been invited to play uh, by Maitreya, and why the media's resistance to the story could be impeding the opportunity for global transformation. And finally, we always talk about what the public can do with this information. Um, So we're going to talk about what the public can do to get the world media to tell the people about Maitreya. Welcome back to the show, William. How are you? Thank you very much. I'm doing well, and I'm happy to be back. Great. I just uh, enjoy the show that we did. I think it was back in no- early November. Yes, November uh, 15th. Oh, thank you. So let's jump right into our, our topic. Um, we're talking about a story that has grown and developed continuously for the past, well, over three decades. Um, but it's been most public in, in um uh, about 1982, and you'll explain why. It's a story that will not go away. Um, and you're talking about the world media's resistance to it. Let's first talk about why is the participation of the world media critical to Maitreya's emergence? Well, there are a number of reasons. Uh, the most important being that Maitreya is the world teacher for all humanity, people of all religions and no religions. It is his coming into the world, along with his group, the Masters of Wisdom, is the most extraordinary, profound event in all of human history. It even tops the coming into the world of various teachers revered by religious traditions throughout history. Because of its profound nature, It is going to mean so many changes and transformations that it's critical that people be somewhat prepared ahead of time, somewhat educated about what this is all going to mean. So in the standard news-gathering sense, it's critical that people understand what this event is all about so that they can be somewhat prepared for what's going to happen. Another issue is Contrary to the beliefs in various religious systems that on a certain day, their teacher, their Messiah, their Christ, their Buddha, whoever it is, is just going to appear somewhere and somehow everybody's going to know about it and it's going to be, come on, let's get cracking, let's do this, let's do that. No, that is not the way it's going to work. There is a certain law, a spiritual law that governs the coming into the world of a teacher of Maitreya's stature, and it's called the law of free will. The masters and Maitreya never, under any circumstances, infringe human free will, because free will is what we use to grow, to expand our consciousness, to learn. Were he to come into the world and start doing things uh, in a very powerful way, it would be, in his view, a, an infringement of human free will. He needs to be invited. He needs to know that humanity is ready to follow his advice, to respond to his message and his teachings. And so he is waiting for a call from humanity to which he can, under karmic, karmic law, respond. And that call will come through humanity's symbolic representative on this planet, the world media. They're sort of like the nervous system of the planet. They're the way we communicate. They're the way we learn about each other. They're the way we find out about the world. They're the way we send information around the world. So in that sense, they can be seen as a sort of symbolic representative of humanity. And it is their job to inform humanity about the true happenings of our time. Isn't that why they're in business? And so in that sense, the call from humanity will come symbolically through an invitation from the media to come forward. And that invitation has not happened yet. Finally, he needs the media because unlike the great teachers of the past, Buddha, Christ, Muhammad, and some of the other teachers, 
For the first time in human history, the messenger from God, an avatar, is going to be able to speak to the whole world without intermediaries, without it taking centuries for their message to be disseminated and distorted and misinterpreted. He needs the world's media so that he can teach and advise all of us in real time. Um, and that way, no distortion will ever set in. So it's critical that he be invited because he can't go on the media unless he's invited. So those are typically the main critical reasons why it's so important to this story. And that may surprise a lot of people. Um, we've been talking about this story on every episode. Or we're over a couple dozen episodes now. And um, I don't think it occurs to – it would have never occurred to me before knowing this story that the, the world media – is so critical. Oftentimes we think, oh, uh, if this if this uh, great being is so great, well, why does why does he need anyone? So this really adds a a very intriguing fold to the to the proceedings. So tell us um, first of all, I'm I'm curious to know. Well, I I know you personally, and I know you've been involved a long time. Share with our audience how long you have been. Uh, following this story of the emergence of Maitreya? Well, I have been actively involved, uh, more or less, since 1982. And um, working with uh, a group of uh, volunteers in the Bay Area. And um, for uh, several years, in the 80s and in the 90s, I was the sort of informal media contact person. I would write press releases. I would deal with local media, trying to get them interested in interviewing Benjamin Krem, who was the principal spokesperson and has been for this message for many years. Uh, did some interviews myself on radio uh, and television and had dealings uh, with uh, not only local, but was involved in a couple of national media campaigns as well. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, yeah. yeah. you so, might give us some details on that uh, a little later. But before we go into the break, can you start to describe, there have been uh, major overtures made to the world media with this information. Um, and, and this is a decades-long story. Can you start to describe the timeline um, of, of how how this story has uh, been presented to the media, the world media. Well, there are so many issues. I mean, we're talking almost more than 40 years worth of information. So I'll focus on the highlights, okay? Okay, and you have 40 yeah. seconds till the break. I know we'll go into segment two. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, then, in the first uh, 40 seconds, Maitreya came into London in July of 1977, and it was hoped that by 1982, several years later, he would be a well-known spokesman in the Asian community um, in London, which is the community that he um, sort of secreted himself into. He was living under a, a, a pseudonym, uh, a common Muslim name, and he gradually became known as a great teacher, a leader, and uh, it was hoped that the media would pick up on him, but they didn't. We are with William Allen talking about what the media knows about the emergence of Maitreya, the world teacher and the masters of wisdom, but haven't told us, at least not yet. Uh, so William, you were talking about um, uh, Maitreya in London, it was hoped that uh, he would become a widely recognized spokesperson in, in the Muslim community. Why don't you continue your story? What actually happened? Well, he was recognized as a community leader and great, extraordinary man in the uh, uh, Hindu-Muslim community. But it did not draw the attention of the major British press. I mean, you know, for the most part... I'm not an expert on the British press, but I know enough to know they don't pay much attention, just like the press over here, 
to the immigrant community unless there are problems or explosions or riots. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, by 1982, uh, it was hoped that he would have uh, a much more uh, media exposure. Uh, that didn't happen. So in April of 1982, Benjamin Krem and people he worked with in London organized a major worldwide publicity campaign that involved placing full-page newspaper ads in 18 major newspapers around the world in 11 uh, different languages, announcing the Christ is now here, and then talking about the various priorities and concerns of Maitreya and how people could recognize a man who was talking about justice and sharing and freedom for all peoples. Uh, I know in this country, it was in the Los Angeles Times and in the New York Times. Le Monde in France, El Pais in Spain, a couple of big newspapers in, I think it was The Guardian uh, and one other, maybe The Tuttle Graph. In when England. I was living in New York City, uh, I don't know, like uh, 15, 18, 20 years later, people still remembered uh, that full page ad. So some of our listeners may have seen seen that ad. That's right. And the ads were for two reasons. One, to alert the public um, to this entire uh, phenomenon, but also to alert the media. Um, you know, media people read other media. And, of course, the New York Times and the L.A. Times uh, are two of the big sort of uh, legacy uh, media in the U.S. And so it was also to alert the media. So I really thought there would be some sort of a real uh, flood of media interest uh, after that. And uh, I understood from people, you know, involved uh, with placing the ads and everything that it, it was pretty lukewarm. I mean, wouldn't you think, holy mackerel, somebody spent a lot of money to get this message out there in major newspapers. Gee, I wonder what this is all about. Huh, maybe I'll make a couple of phone calls and look into this. That really didn't happen. And so in May of 1982, there was a major press conference held in Los Angeles um, at which Mr. Krem would announce for the first time where Maitreya was living. He, Up until that time, during all his lectures and in his first book, he only said Maitreya was in a modern city, in a modern country, one we're all aware of, and... Uh, that was it, and that we should look for a man emerging out of a certain community. Um, so in order to shivvy up the process, there was a major news conference arranged in Los Angeles. There were some 90 journalists there from the major networks, ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, BBC, the major newspapers, the Times, the New York Times, British Press, not Time, Newsweek, as well as smaller papers. All of them were there, and Mr. Krem gave a talk about a little background on the story, and then he announced where Maitreya was living. In London, in the Asian community, in the east end of London, he said, if the media were to just do go through the motions of sort of like a symbolic search, assign some reporters who had clout to go into the community and make a little token effort, Maitreya would come forward to them. And um, nothing happened. Absolutely not one of the major media who had reporters present at that press conference assigned somebody. He's this isn't the, sounding good. <laughs> he is in the BBC's backyard. As a matter of fact, the BBC covered that press conference. And right at the moment Mr. Krem announced where Maitreya was, the BBC went live by satellite and slotted that announcement into a little show they had running about Ben Krem and his work. So there it was. He's in London. He's in this community. He's right there. He's in your backyard. And so they did nothing. I recall hearing from Mr. Krem that a reporter who was at the news conference, an American reporter, called up Mr. Krem and said, you know, I talked with the BBC and I said, this is a fantastic story. And they said, we know it is. So I said to them, well, what are you doing about it? And they said, nothing. And I said, well, nothing. Well, why not? And they said, well, we're waiting for more tangible evidence. 
And of course, this evidence would only come if they had gotten involved in the little token search for Maitreya. And that's the way, essentially, things have stood uh, for an awful long time. And what year was that? That was was 1982. And come on, we all know how the major media operate. The Christ in London? Oh, the heck with that. We're going to war. The lads are going to war. war. Mm -hmm. The lads are going to war. So that pretty much dominated the news coverage um, after this story was uh, released. And um, we are literally still waiting for a major network or cable show to assign a reporter, assign a reporter with clout to meet with Maitreya. He would come forward uh, if that were to happen at a sufficient enough level of credibility. Meanwhile, plenty of other things have happened. Um, can, I, can I interject sure. here? Because sure. uh, some, of, some of our audience know this story very well. Some of our audience maybe heard about it some years ago and they're, they're tuning in now. And certainly, uh, Mr. Benjamin Cram, the chief editor of Share International, uh, which inspired this podcast, um, as I said earlier, he has been on countless interviews and, um, you know, all over here in the U.S. and all over the world, I'm sure, um, in the past 30 years. And I know I've heard interviews where people would say, uh, the interviewer would say, oh, well, I'm happy to have Maitreya on my show. Um, but it doesn't quite uh, – you know, why t- – t- tell me if that would work. <laughs> he has been uh, invited multiple times uh, to come on various people's talk shows. But you have to remember that would be a, a talk show in one market, in one country, in one little particular part of the planet. Do you know what I'm saying? What we are really talking about is um, – a group of journalists assigned from different well-known, well-regarded, highly respected media to uh, invite to meet Maitreya so that then they can turn around and tell their bosses, their networks, their channels, whatever it is, yes, we've met him. This is true. The story as we have heard about it, he's wonderful. And then the reels would start turning to set up a press conference there is the plan is for there to be a press conference where Maitreya would meet uh, representatives of world media and speak to them, talk to them, do something very potent to convince them that he has the spiritual stature we were talking about. And so that is a critical component of this entire thing. So, so clearly, yes. Yeah, clearly. There are now we're talking 1982. Uh, um, clearly, there may be people still uh, alive from, who, who are still with us who attended that press conference. Professional journalists, highly placed media people. Um, uh, hopefully, they were much younger then, and they're still here with us. Some have retired, uh, but there are people out there with information. Um, and maybe even possibly there are people in our audience listening now who are less than six degrees of separation from people who who have access to this information and heard Benjamin Krem speak in 1982. That's a possibility, right? That that, that there are the, those out there who know this and maybe not taking action. Oh, that's absolutely true. Since uh, the 80s, we have it from people who are in the close circles around Maitreya in the Asian community of London. We have it from uh, Benjamin Krem and his uh, sources that Maitreya has met and talked with and even given powerful spiritual experiences to 
hundreds and hundreds of journalists from around the world. Hundreds? Some of, yes, hundreds. And some of them uh, are well-known journalists who would be what recognized in their various country or in their medium. And some are uh, just people who are standard reporters, uh, newspaper, television, radio, uh, whatever it is. And some of them have been asked to hold back just for the time being because their job will really be to educate their colleagues when this story starts to unfold. But all the rest have free reign to do whatever they can do to make this story public. And for the most part, they've done nothing or very little, or those who have tried have been thwarted. Uh, William. So we are we you you started us out in the early early eighties, um, full page ads in the New York Times, L.A. Times, many other papers. Uh, then a, a major press conference in nineteen eighty May of nineteen eighty two. As we go into the nineties and the OOS, this story does not let up just because the world media doesn't report on it. What is happening? Okay. Well, before we get to the 90s, if I might just stay in the 80s, because you said at the beginning of the show that I would talk about the BBC. Ah, yes. And uh, we should definitely cover that. Well, in 1985, uh, some journalists representing media from East and West who were sort of gathered together by um, uh, a freelance journalist living in London who was really jazzed by this story. They went into the community and they did enough to sort of fulfill some of the law of free will uh, that Maitreya is coming in under. So it frees his hand to begin a much more open phase of his emergence. So in 1986, Maitreya appeared in the offices of the director general of the BBC in London and met over a series of meetings over a few months with the top officials of the BBC. And you can imagine, uh, he must have done something with them uh, in order for, to be taken seriously. He must have given them some very, very powerful spiritual experiences because people just don't walk into the office of the BBC and meet with the director general. So they worked out initially... They worked out a plan in which the BBC agreed to sponsor a press conference inviting the world's media to come and meet a man who lived in London, who indeed claimed to be the Christ, who was a member of the Asian community, but presents himself as a world teacher for all groups, religious and otherwise. He wishes to meet with members of the world media from all lands and sort of present his credentials and then if he's invited to do so, he would welcome an opportunity to address all of humanity through the Link TV networks in a way that would convince the world of his true status. Now, that's a mouthful. And in the beginning, the BBC officials sort of were agreeing that they would do something to that nature. However, fear set in. And after a while, there was a division among the officials at the BBC and there was a group who finally felt it was too explosive. Uh, they were fearful, they were cautious, and they recommended a sort of, well, let's just wait and see attitude. So after a few months, there was this kind of standoff. Ultimately, what happened was they went back on their word and they did not uh, hold the press conference. And to my thinking, they weaseled out of it in a very, very unclassy fashion. They alerted the queen that they were going to make such an, a statement. She brought in her religious advisor, the Archbishop of Canterbury, as well as some uh, political advisors. And, of course, they all came down on the thing like a ton of bricks. Um, Is this uh, so published somewhere? The information about what actually happened inside the meetings uh, is comes to us from people who are in the tight circles around Maitreya and from Mr. Krem. Uh, but it will, when this, when this story uh, does eventually come out, and it will, 
uh, those sorts of details will be heavily published. And so, uh, okay. So that's now we're in the nineties. Riveting. I'm, I'm just like, wow. Thirty years later, where are where are all those people, including? <laughs> well, you know, as an interesting as an interesting sidelight, um, the director general of the BBC was forced to resign uh, several months after that series of uh, meetings with Maitreya. Now, was there a connection? I suspect that there was because you have to remember. 1986, that's the height of Thatcherism in England, uh, you know, and Reaganism over here. So it was the sort of um, the counter-revolution of the right wing. And many people in government were critical of the BBC for uh, taking a liberal attitude when the government was so conservative. And uh, this may have been the last straw. And so uh, the director general was forced out not too long after these meetings um, took place. Well, and plenty so, of high drama, you, you know, even in this modern age, uh, with the you know, emergence of the Christ Buddha Krishna, it's not so easy. <laughs> there are vested interests. I mean, let's talk about nuts and bolts media here. The mm-hmm. media, for the most part, in the Western world are controlled by the wealthy corporations and the one percenters who are whose power and privilege um, basically controls many societies. Those vested interests certainly don't want to see a leader come forth who has the capacity to inspire billions of people around the world to rise up and transform the current political, economic, and social systems. It's as simple as that. So this is a fearful story on many, many levels to people in the media. For the reporters, they're afraid of losing credibility and losing their jobs. For the editors, there's that plus fear of a huge backlash from fundamentalist religious groups. I'm sure that scares them. But then when you get to the top levels of ownership of the media, we're talking about people who are part and parcel of the establishment, and they don't want to see the status quo overthrown. So they are doing their best to ignore this story and essentially create a news blackout around it. It's as simple as that. And it's a story that won't go away, apparently, because uh, much more happens. Can we go into the 90s now? (laughs) Well, in the 90s, um, what was going on was um, Maitreya had given a whole series of forecasts uh, in the late 80s and early 90s about various ranging from political and economic developments around the world even to natural disasters as a result of his knowledge of certain uh, spiritual laws that govern our lives. Some of these uh, political and economic forecasts started working out in the 90s. And this they was published pu- in Share International Magazine. They were published in Share International Magazine. They were sent out as major press releases month after month after month for three years. I mean, any journalist getting these press releases with incredibly accurate forecasts and predictions about a whole gamut of subjects uh, would bound to be impressed. And some of them absolutely stunning, such as when Nelson Mandela had been in jail for 27 years and it looked like apartheid was going to keep going and there was no way Mandela was going to ever be released, Maitreya said in the late 80s, Nelson Mandela will be released and a peaceful process of transition of government will happen in South Africa. When that first came out, I'm sure people would think, oh, sure, come on, you know, get real. And yet, Within a year and a half, Nelson Mandela was out of jail and was negotiating with President de Klerk on a transition of power in South Africa. I mean, that's just one of the stunning things that were involved in these press releases. Earthquakes, volcanic eruptions predicted sometimes months in advance. So throughout the 90s, those things were working out. They were happening. And they had been predicted by Maitreya months, weeks, Years in advance, 
I mean, it's just really amazing the kinds of things. The fall of the Berlin Wall, the color revolutions in Eastern Europe, the growing rise of people power in countries around the world, which he said would happen because of the new energies that are stimulating humanity to become awake to the situations of the world, to start agitating for change. All of that ferment happening uh, in countries around the world. That was a direct result of not only the new energies that had been pouring into the world from the constellation Aquarius, but energies being released into the world by Maitreya himself. So the 90s were, as you know, was a real time of ferment. And it continues today as we're seeing incredible change happening around the world uh, in, yes. in the expression of people power, uh, te- you know, from Occupy to, uh, goodness, uh, all, all the movements that we've the seen. Arab the Spring. Arab Spring. Arab Spring, um, yes, uh, which of- Maitreya was involved in, by the way. And not only, I, you know, I should also talk about the signs. Yes. You know, beginning in the 1980s. A huge flood of miracles or so-called miraculous signs started happening around the world. Miraculous crosses of light appearing in people's windows around the world. Um, bleeding and weeping statues. Statues leaking liters of pure oil. Human blood. Human tears. You, you know, you had religious signs happening around the world and Bizarre signs for people who aren't religious. All sorts of um, incredible things. Um, healing waters discovered in wells in various countries um, around the world, which scientifically these waters were um, analyzed by scientists and their properties cannot be explained. Uh, Maitreya is creating these wells of incredibly charged um, healing waters as he goes around the world meeting with various groups. That was happening in the 90s. And, um, of course, some of the media actually picked up on it and did stories uh, about all the miracles happening. But then they dropped it and their, art- and their attitude has been, well, been there, done that. With all these efforts in the past decades, many people have been exposed to this story what are the numbers? Well, we estimate and have been informed by various sources that probably about 30 million people around the world uh, are aware of this story. And um, our information is uh, about a third of them uh, absolutely believe that it is true. Um, about a third are hopeful. They would love for it to be true but are still somewhat, you know, they're 50-50, so they're sitting on the fence. And, of course, a large number, it so conflicts with their uh, religious beliefs uh, and practices that, you know, they absolutely uh, don't believe it at all. So that's roughly what we're talking about. So several million people uh, have heard about the story and absolutely are hopeful that it's true and go so far as to think that it is true. And what can, what can they be doing? Um, I, I guess I want to underscore the value of those several million people. It's, no small, uh, it's of no small import that they are convinced of the truth of this story. This is not an isolated story. This isn't something that a few handful of people here and there talk about. You're talking several million people. Um, yeah. And there was something that happened a few years back that, that shows that people are paying attention to this story, whether they're uh, talking about it or not. You want to talk about right. that? Well, I'm sure you're referring to what we know uh, as the Raj Patel incident, uh, which took place in uh, 2010. And that's because uh, in January of 2010, uh, Benjamin Krem announced uh, in an interview and through major press releases, once again sent to the world's media, that Maitreya had begun the final phase of his emergence into full public view he began appearing uh, uh, under a pseudonym on major network uh, talk shows, news program, 
on networks in uh, various countries around the world, beginning with the United States. And then from there, uh, he would move on to Mexico and then Brazil and then Russia, China, Japan, Indonesia, Vietnam, and so on. Uh, this has been going on since January of 2010. And how well, many interviews have there been? Oh, there have been more than 150. So uh, let if me you combine let me all the countries. Yeah. But to get to the incident that I referred to, uh, not too long after that announcement was made, um, a bunch of people started this, uh, I don't know if you would call it a meme. What do, you, do you call it a meme? Do you call it a rumor uh, on the web that uh, a gentleman by the name of Raj Patel, uh, who is a well-known activist and author who writes about um, the economic injustice in the planet, and he specifically focuses on food, uh, starvation amidst plenty. Uh, one of his well-known books is Stuffed and Starved. Anyway, he kind of fits, you know, he's Indian, he lives in London, he has a British accent, he's on television a lot. So this rumor began on the web that um, he was Maitreya, and it just went totally viral. And it got so intense that the poor guy literally had to change his email and uh, write some online editorials uh, saying, no, no, I'm not Maitreya. And uh, published a couple a column in the Guardian newspaper, but it was so big, the response so immediate to that rumor that that could be seen as an indication that people are waiting. They, the people who are aware of this are no, they're just waiting for some indication, and they kind of jumped the gun on that. So let's get back to. And I, I will right mention now. that was covered in the New York Times. That incident yes. of. Incorrect identification, you know, just wrong yeah. information was covered in the New York Times. There yes. was a whole segment on uh, the Col Colbert report, the yeah. Stephen Colbert show. And I and think I there think, was uh, a, maybe a I'm, magazine. Uh, and maybe, no, John Stewart. So major American television comedy uh, included this, uh, this, this, this story that turned out not to be true in, in, their, in their, their skits. Yeah, and isn't that ironic? They deal with covering a flub regarding the story, but they won't look into the story itself. Mm -hmm. Isn't that strange? Um, uh, let's get back to what people can do, okay? Yes. If millions of people are aware of this, then it's up to them to make a noise. It's up to them to talk about it. It's up to them to demand that the media tell the people about Maitreya. I mean, right now, there are between three and 4,000 people on the planet actively involved in publicizing this story. That's just a drop in the bucket. And yet, of the huge numbers of people who believe that it's true, well, what are you doing? Maitreya himself, Mr. Krim uh, himself, the master, one of the masters of wisdom who writes articles in Share International magazine, all have said for years and years and years, the most important thing that people could be doing right now is to talk about this uh, so that it helps contribute to the climate of hope and expectancy and leads toward an invitation for Maitreya. And the media, I can say it right now, the media, barring some sort of an emer world emergency in which Maitreya will come forward, and there are a couple uh, that could happen, a stock, a world stock exchange crash or some sort of a hot war that's very dangerous breaking out somewhere. Barring that, I believe the only way the media will finally look into this story is if people demand it of them. It has to be done because it's too, it makes them too nervous. They just don't want to put energy into it. It upsets the status quo, so they would rather just leave it alone and not give it any kind of energy and just ignore it for as long as they can possibly ignore it. However, a demand from the people, phone calls, letters, emails, walk with signs in front of the New York Times, tell the people about Maitreya, whatever. People yeah, have yeah. to get involved. Social media, and you can talk about that because I'm not an expert on social media. <laughs> well, if people get go involved. to our Yes, absolutely get involved. Um, and I know if there's several million people out there, 
then there's at least one person listening to this podcast who can do something, not just one. I'm sure there's a dozen. Of a well, dozen you know, I, mm-hmm. for sure. And, you know, I've been around newsrooms. I mean, I was trained as a journalist, and I know that there's a kind of mathematical formula in a newsroom. When they get one letter from a reader or a viewer or a listener, they know that represents 10 people who really are concerned about the issue and just didn't quite get around to writing, you know? So one letter, 10 people. They get two letters, and then the mathematics uh, go up a little bit. Oh, it means even more. If they get 10 letters on a certain subject, they know there are hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of people to whom this issue is of concern. So just knowing that formula alone hopefully would inspire people uh, to just hold hold them to account, tell them to get involved, and tell us what they know. And these days, what is included in media coverage is is the coverage of what happens on Twitter. You know, but remember, this is this is a very critical time. There has never been a time like this in the whole history of the planet. We are at a crossroads, and the choice that humanity makes right now will determine whether we go on and prosper and flourish and rebuild our civilization into something simpler and saner where joy is present everywhere and brotherhood and peace and no poverty and no war or whether we continue on the same path and ultimately destroy ourselves. And Maitreya is eager to come before the people and to clearly enunciate that choice and inspire people to know that they don't have to be afraid of change. They don't have to be afraid of the future. If we just implement some of the wonderful, wise advice that we're going to get from this incredible group of divine representatives of God who will be working and living openly among us. And well, that's I'm what gonna, we need. Uh, I just love your passion in telling this fantastic story. I'm going to tell our audience, the main website for all this information is share-international.org. That's S-H-A-R-E hyphen international dot O-R-G. If some, for some reason you think you're connected to someone who has uh, a, a high-level journalist who is connected to this whole story, um, you may want to uh, communicate with them, send them the website, and encourage them. Or if you're a young journalist, uh, go to the website and start to investigate the story and start to get a group of people together to start publicizing this and get this to the highest levels of media. William Allen, thank you for taking the time with us. Really appreciate what you shared and uh, look forward to having you back again. Well, thank you very much. It's been my pleasure. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. Well, it comes as no surprise that the mainstream news media dropped the ball on this story. As William noted in his interview with Silito, Maitreya had approached the BBC. They'd had several meetings. But when it came time to air on interview before doing that they ran it past the queen and the archbishop of canterbury who decided that since he hadn't heard of it that it couldn't be legitimate that someone known as the world teacher and the christ couldn't possibly be in the world unless they heard about it before we did so given that arrogance it was dropped well There was also the interview with CNN. If you recall earlier, we talked about how CNN covered the appearance in Nairobi. Well, they followed up with an offer for an interview, a real on-air interview with Maitreya, the world teacher. Now, he agreed to this, but his one stipulation was that it had to be broadcast widely. They did the interview. It was recorded. However, CNN tried to slip out of that agreement by only broadcasting 
in Scotland, and a few countries in Africa. And presumably, it was never seen again. Maitreya knew that he couldn't let this stop him. And he got invitation, an invitation, plural, from studios, from news services, all over the globe. But this time, he changed his strategy and he used a pseudonym. Not the name Maitreya. And we don't know what name is because he didn't tell us either. And he appeared to potentially millions of people throughout the world talking about what he wanted to talk about on CNN and the BBC, the equitable sharing of the world's resources to end poverty and war, which has been his consistent message from the start. And now that so many people, including perhaps you, have already seen Maitreya, the world is being affected by this message and it's getting through and it's changing hearts and minds and it's helping shift the consciousness of humanity and perhaps in a way that the BBC and the CNN could not have done. So it's up to you and I to get this word out to the world and to spread it and to keep repeating it until we can put enough pressure and there's enough people crying out for it that once again the mainstream news media will not be able to ignore it and will have to relent and make that interview available and this time broadcasted to us all. We look forward to that day, but in the meantime, you keep doing your work in talking about this with people who will listen and we will do the same. And we'll be back soon with another episode geared towards the same goal. Thank you. Visit us on Facebook at hashtag Planetary Makeover. This show has been a production of planetarymakeover.org. At our website, we have a link to our bi-weekly live show at 5 p.m. Mondays Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. At our website, we also have a link to our archives and a selection of our shows. For more background info, visit www.shareinternationalwest.org. That's shareinternational-west.org. For related books and DVDs and CDs by Benjamin Krem on the emergence of Maitreya, the world teacher, please go to share-ecart.com. That's share-ecart.com. We also invite you to watch another show that we really love entitled, What in the World is Happening? And that show, which you don't want to miss, is produced by Share International Canada. And it airs every second and fourth Saturday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time. The link to check it out is share-international.ca or visit the Share International Canada Facebook page.